We are going to try to cover two chapters today. Genesis chapter 40, so let's go there. Genesis chapter 40. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 40 and chapter 41. So we said this last week uh, as we began to look at Joseph's time in Egypt, that God is working a greater salvation than we know. Now that was true for Joseph. It's also true for all of us. I would submit to each one of us here today, myself included, that the salvation that God has given to me in Jesus Christ is beyond my comprehension. However much I appreciate it, however much I read about it in the Bible, however much I imagine and think about all that God has done for me, what he's provided for me by saving me by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, I submit to you that that salvation in reality is greater than we could ever comprehend while we're here on this earth in these bodies. Uh, And that salvation one day, one day, when all has been redeemed, one day when the sons of God are manifest, one day when God puts death finally under his feet and the last enemy has been uh, finally put under, and when Jesus rules and reigns on this earth, having made all things new, even then I don't believe we in a moment can grasp Because what God has done for us is eternal. That means it will never come to an end. That means we can't see the end of it because there is no end of it. We can't measure it with a start and a beginning because God has no start and he has no ending. There is not a beginning and an end in God. He's the alpha and the omega, but that means he is without beginning and he is without end. He is. And what God has done for us in Jesus is eternal. We'll never see all there is to see of God. We'll never know all there is to know of God. Any any variableness or shadow of turning, um, the Bible says there's God doesn't change. But but Paul says this: it's been given to the church to make known the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold is a Greek word that means variegated, multifaceted multicolored that means it's like a it's like a diamond that you just every time you turn it it reflects something different this is who god is he's he's variegated he's multifaceted he's multicolored there's there's never going to come an end to well i've seen all there is to see of god well i know all there is to know of god no Now, I want you to understand that God is working a salvation that is so much greater than you know. And he's working that through all things, both good and evil. This is what we see in Joseph's life. Let me read to you the scripture from Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph says to his brothers, but as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. So this is where the story is heading, and even beyond that. And so last week we saw Joseph brought to Egypt, sold by the Ishmaelites uh, to the house of Potiphar. When we got to the end of chapter 39, we see that Joseph has been unjustly accused, and he's been cast into prison. And we're going to pick up the story here. Now remember, I think it's always really important as you read the Bible, I always highlight whenever it gives me years or an age. If we go back to Genesis, remember when we began this, when we go back to Genesis chapter uh, 37, the Bible tells us, this is the history of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. So the Bible tells us Joseph was 17 years old, when he was sent out to go check on his father's sheep and his brothers who were keeping those sheep. And the end result of that was Joseph being sold into slavery. So at 17, Joseph is sold into slavery in Egypt. 
And then there are a few other dates given along the way to help us kind of follow Joseph's timeline. So Joseph sold into slavery at 17. Now we don't know how old Joseph is at this point. But at some point, we don't know specifically how long he stayed in Potiphar's house. We do, know, we do know how long Joseph was a slave in Egypt. He was a slave for 13 years, and we'll, we'll be able to do that math a little bit later as we continue to read the Scripture. So Joseph, at some undetermined age, is cast into prison from Potiphar's house. Well, let's pick the story up at Genesis chapter 40. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were there in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation." And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw them that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me the dream, please. And then the chief butler told the dream to Joseph. So he tells him his dream, and it's about this vine that grows up, and these three branches that come out, and the branches blossom, and then they produce fruit. And Joseph says, Here's the interpretation. Verse 13, Within three days... Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to the place that you were, uh, and put. then you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. Now look at verse 14. And Joseph says to the butler, he says, in three days, in other words, in three days you're going to be released. In three days you're going to go back to stand before Pharaoh And Pharaoh's going to put the cup back in your hand, and you're going to resume your service to Pharaoh. And Joseph says, but remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me, make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. So Joseph says, in three days, within three days, you're going to go back to Pharaoh, and when it's well with you, and you remember What I've told you, make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of here because I've been unjustly accused. I do not deserve to be in this prison. Remember me. Then when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he was waiting. I ought to tell you something right there. He said, ah, the butler got a good interpretation. So the baker comes to Joseph and he tells Joseph his dream. He said, well, here's my dream. He said, um, in the uppermost basket, he said, I had these three baskets sitting on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods. But the birds of the air came, and they ate all the bread. And Joseph answered, verse 18, and he said, this is the interpretation of the three baskets. They are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Verse 20, now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. 
Then he restored the chief butler to his leadership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to him. Yes, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. (laughs) What did Joseph say to the butler? In three days, you're going to get out of here, but remember me. The butler gets out, puts the cup back into Pharaoh's hand, and what happens? He doesn't remember. He forgets Joseph. Think that was an accident? No. I don't either. Now let's go to chapter 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now we don't know how old Joseph necessarily was when he got put into the prison. And we don't know all of that detail, but this gives us some information that informs us how long or how old Joseph was as Joseph begins to approach. So you need to keep note of these two full years. So what does that tell us? That from the time the butler stood before Pharaoh and was restored to his office and he forgot about Joseph, Two years have passed. So Joseph interprets the dream within three days. The baker and the butler are both taken out of prison. The butler appears before Pharaoh on Pharaoh's birthday. He's restored. It's well with him. He forgets about Joseph. Two years have gone by since Joseph interpreted the dream of the butler and the baker. Two years. Joseph's probably thinking, "Eh, they forgot about me. And well, the, the baker's dead, and the butler's still serving the pharaoh, and yes, the butler did forget about Joseph. So two years went by, and look at verse 2. Suddenly, uh, well, I'm sorry, let me begin up here. Then it came to pass, two full years, that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. So after two years, Pharaoh has this dream. And it says, he's standing by the river. This is his dream. And suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat. And they had in there, uh, and they had in the meadow. And they fed in the meadow. I'm sorry. And they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river. Only they were ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the river, and the ugly and the gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows, and so Pharaoh awoke. So here's the stream. Pharaoh's by the river. He sees seven fat cows come up. They go feed in the meadow. They're fat. They're great-looking. And then all of a sudden, seven ugly, gaunt, skinny cows come up out of the river they go to the seven fat cows and the seven skinny ugly cows eat the seven fat beautiful cows and pharaoh wakes up and he says whoa what's this dream that i've had and no one could interpret the dream and he calls for everybody he says i I need i need an interpretation and about that time the butler says oh i realize my my mistake And the butler remembered that Joseph was there. In verse 9, it says, Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. I forgot about Joseph, and he told me not to forget. And when, when Pharaoh was angry with me and the baker, this is the butler talking to Pharaoh, when the Pharaoh was angry with his servants and cast us into prison, we met this guy. And on the same night, Me and the baker had a dream, and this guy interpreted our dream the next morning. He gave us the interpretation. He told me that I was going to be restored to serving you, and he told the baker that you were going to hang him. And guess what, Pharaoh? It came to pass exactly the way this guy told us it would. And so what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh says, get me this guy. And so he calls for Joseph, and they bring Joseph. They clean him up. They shave him. He comes before Pharaoh, 
And it says in verse 13, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand dreams to interpret it. And here's Joseph's answer. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So Joseph didn't say, oh yeah, man, I've got the gift of interpretation. I'll interpret your dream for you, Pharaoh, because I'm just that kind of guy. I've got that kind of gift. No, Joseph points right back to God and he says, it's not in me to interpret a dream. God, though, will give you the interpretation. He will give you an answer of peace. In other words, God will give you the meaning of this dream and you'll have peace about it. You'll know that it's true and you'll know that it's God. And so Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream and Joseph immediately He says in verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are are as God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And so Joseph recounts. And then he tells Joseph, look at verse 23. I mean, uh, Pharaoh, uh, Joseph tells Pharaoh, and the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. And then Pharaoh says, well, we need someone to help us out. Joseph said, here's what you need to do. This dream is of God. This is fixing to happen. You need to appoint someone that can oversee so that you can gather food in the seven years of plenty and distribute it in the seven years of famine. You need a wise person who can oversee this and, and, and set a, a, a system in place to make this happen. And Pharaoh said, well, who's, who could that be? And Pharaoh says to his servants, verse 38, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, stop and think right there. Let's go back and think about Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. He goes to the slave market. Potiphar sees him. Potiphar recognizes something in Joseph. What does he recognize? The Bible tells us Potiphar saw that the hand of the Lord was upon Joseph. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph spends the next 13 years somewhere between Potiphar's house and the prison. We don't know how long he was in Potiphar's house. We don't know for sure how long he was in the prison, but he was in prison for years. We know that. And we know now that Joseph is brought before Pharaoh and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt says, could we find such a man as as this who is, who has, who is in him the spirit of God. So here is the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, who recognizes that in Joseph is the Spirit of God, that the Lord is with Joseph. Pharaoh didn't just see that because Pharaoh was a wise man. Potiphar didn't just see that because Potiphar was a wise man. Joseph wasn't the only guy in Egypt who was wise. Joseph wasn't the only guy in Egypt that could have figured out what to do. But Joseph was the guy in Egypt that God put there for that specific purpose. Because Joseph was the one guy in Egypt that could not only save the Egyptians, but more importantly, Joseph was the one guy in Egypt who was going to save the world by saving his family, by saving his brother who would want to murder him so that the Messiah could come through Judah, the very brother who wanted to murder Joseph. Joseph was the one man God put there for this purpose. And it was God who opened the eyes of Pharaoh and caused Pharaoh to see the spirit of God upon Joseph's life. And he said, you're the guy, you're the man. In fact, you're going to be the guy that rules over this land. And the only person that's going to be above you is going to be me. Here, take my signet ring. Take my my signs of authority. 
I give them to you. You're going to ride in the second chariot. You're going to be over all of this land. Why? Because Pharaoh recognized, even Pharaoh recognized, God working in Joseph's life. So, then it says this. Let's look at verse 43. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. He had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. You talk about some power and authority. He had it. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphneth Phaneah. You know what that means? Neither do I. (laughs) And you know what? Neither does anybody else. It's an Egyptian name. There's speculation, but the reality is nobody really knows what that name means. And you know what? It's not really important that we know it. It was significant. Here's what we can be sure of. That Pharaoh gave Joseph a significant name. Some people believe it means savior of the world. Some people means it. But the reality is we don't know. It's an Egyptian name. It's not a Hebrew name. And and we don't really know. But here's what we do know. And here's a type and a shadow of what Jesus did with his disciples. Joseph, if you think about this, 13 years after Joseph comes to Egypt, Joseph is now a different man. He's a new man. Joseph came to Egypt as a slave. Now on this day, Pharaoh gives him a new name and Joseph is no longer a slave. He is a free man, not just a free man, but he now rules. He's been given authority by the only one who has the power to give him such authority. Sound familiar? Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them, teaching them all that I have taught you. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. If this is not a picture, a type, and a shadow of what God has given us, the authority he's given us in Jesus, this, we see this right here. Peter was given a new name. The Bible says we've been given his name. We are new creations. We're not the same as we were. Joseph comes out of the dungeon. He stands before Pharaoh and Pharaoh makes him a new man, not a slave anymore, but a free man and the ruler of Egypt. He gives him a wife. Another another significant sign that he is a free man. He's given a wife. And the Bible says that within those seven years of plenty, Joseph has two sons. He has two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so the seven years of famine began to come. And we end chapter 41 with the famine, look at verse 30, uh, verse 56. The famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and said to the Egyptians, and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. So, here is this dreamer. Here is Joseph, who at age 17 has this dream of his family coming and bowing before him. And he tells this dream, 
and his brothers despise him, not only because of the dream, but because Jacob favors Joseph. And his brothers despise him, and when the opportunity arises, his brothers sell him to Ishmaelite traders, and Joseph becomes a slave at age 17. And for 13 years, Joseph is a slave in Egypt. And one day, Joseph is called out of the prison to appear before Pharaoh. Joseph interpreted a dream, two dreams, two years previous. Dream of a butler, the dream of a baker. He gives both their fates. They both come true. He tells the butler, don't forget me. The butler forgets him. Two years go by. All of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. Lots of dreams going on. Lots of dreamers in Egypt, right? But have you noticed that all of these dreams had a specific purpose? All of these dreams were given for a reason. And remember what we said about Joseph, that Joseph lost everything, but he didn't lose his faith. The Bible teaches us that faith is a gift And faith is a fruit, faithfulness, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. But the gift of faith does not absolve us from the work of faith. Are you listening? The gift of faith does not absolve us from the work of faith. We must never see God's sovereignty as relieving us of our responsibility, but giving us greater reason to trust in our responsibility. What we see in Joseph's life is that Joseph remained faithful. Now, I'm not just talking about Joseph remaining faithful in terms of his belief in God. That's obvious. And if we're not careful, what we want to do is separate Joseph's belief in God from Joseph's actions in Egypt. He was a faithful Hebrew by night, but a slave by day, or a servant of Pharaoh by day. No, he was a faithful child of God in everything that he did. And his faithfulness to God is what caused everyone to see something in Joseph that they didn't see in other people. Your faithfulness to God should cause people to see something in you that they don't see in other people. So God in his sovereignty sent Joseph to Egypt in the manner that he did. Joseph's brothers were responsible for their hatred and their murderous intentions. And Joseph was responsible to remain faithful. God in his grace sent Joseph to Potiphar's house. Think about this. God in his grace sent Joseph to prison unjustly accused. God in his grace gave Joseph favor with the master of the jail. And God in his grace sent the butler and the baker to prison to encounter Joseph. God in his grace gave the butler and the baker each a dream on the same night. And God, in his grace, gave Joseph the interpretation of the dreams and with an unseen hand brought Joseph before Pharaoh. Easy for us to kind of connect the dots looking back. Not so easy if you're Joseph having been a slave for 13 years and being in prison for an undetermined amount of time. But we know it was for years. But like Joseph's brothers, the butler and the baker were instruments of God to bring Joseph to his place of authority before the Pharaoh. Ultimately, though, God was bringing salvation to the world by providing bread, both physical and spiritual. God sent Joseph to Egypt to provide bread to save the world from a physical famine God sent Jesus Christ, the bread of life, into the world to save it from the spiritual famine of sin and death that it was being consumed by. Joseph's faithfulness took him to command the land of Egypt. God was working his grace through Joseph's faithful 
work in Egypt. And through Joseph's faithfulness, God saved the seed of the Messiah that would come through Judah to save the world. God used the murderous intent of Judah, Joseph's brother, to save the world through Judah by the grace of God in sending Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God that was given to Joseph to keep his brothers alive. Now remember, Joseph doesn't go to Egypt with the intent of keeping his brothers alive. Joseph went to Egypt probably with mixed emotions, probably feeling fortunate that he was still alive, but also realizing that he was just sold into slavery and he would probably end up a dead man. But these actions of God did not relieve any one of these characters of their responsibility. We see responsibility and irresponsibility rewarded with the butler being restored and the baker being hanged. We see faithfulness rewarded in the life of Joseph and bringing salvation to the world. The gift of faith does not absolve us from the work of faith. In Joseph, we see the gift of faith in operation through the faithfulness of a man trusting God through every situation and every circumstance. In the pit or in the palace, in darkness or in light, in bitter or in sweet, the gift of faith never absolves us from the work of faith. We are called to remain faithful in all things, trusting God to bring about his salvation. God gave Joseph these dreams as a youth, and God, by his grace, brought those dreams to pass through Joseph's faithfulness. We are not called, listen church, we are not called to make our dreams come true. We are called to remain faithful. Can you imagine if Joseph would have spent his time in Egypt trying to figure out how he can make his dreams come true? That's not what Joseph did. Our focus should never be on our dream, but on our faith in Christ. In the scripture, we see a call to faithfulness on every page. And it's often much more exciting to focus on dreams or visions. But those instances are rare compared to the focus that scripture puts on our faithfulness. We can manufacture dreams or we can remain faithful. Jeremiah 29, 8 says this, for thus says the Lord, this is a warning from the prophet Jeremiah, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. You can cause yourself to dream dreams. You can become obsessed with those dreams that you cause yourself to dream and you can find yourself in a big mess. That's not what Joseph did. Joseph didn't focus on his dream. Joseph focused on God. Joseph focused on faithfulness. This is not to say that we should lose our dreams or give up on our dreams, but that we should always place our dreams in God's hands. Our trust is in God, not in a dream. When our dreams are from God, in his time, he will give us the meaning and he will bring them to pass. God does this as he gives us the grace to remain faithful, trusting him in all things. Dreams are fleeting, but faithfulness is to be steadfast and to remain throughout our life. We are called to be faithful Joseph never promoted himself. And we're ultimately responsible to trust God with our dreams and to remain faithful to God in all things. And that responsibility also includes understanding that apart from him, we can do nothing and that what we are able to do, we are able to do by his grace. And this is why Joseph never promoted himself, but Joseph was promoted. God will promote all in his time. You might be sitting out here today thinking, when is God going to notice me? When is God going to notice my situation? When is God 
going to notice my circumstance. Beloved, I promise you God notices. God knows. God not only notices and God not only knows, but he is sovereignly ruling and reigning and in control of all things. Put your eyes on him. Put your trust in him. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith and trust that he is working all things together for your good and for his glory. God in his time will bring promotion because God in his time will bring about his purpose. So we see this in in the Genesis record here in Genesis chapter 41 verses 33 through 46 where it records the promotion of Joseph by Pharaoh and Joseph is given authority. Joseph is given an office over the entire land of Egypt and Joseph is given a wife and after 13 years Joseph is now no longer a slave and he wasn't just set free but he was promoted to a place of power and authority that Joseph could never have imagined being a little shepherd boy watching his father's sheep back in the land of Canaan because Joseph didn't know what God had planned, but God absolutely knew what he had planned. You don't know today what God has planned, but you can trust that God absolutely has a plan and he knows. And so you don't have to know everything God has planned. You just need to trust in the God who has a plan and who has a purpose in all things. And so the seven years of plenty began. And in those seven years to Joseph was born two sons. The firstborn he named Manasseh, which means making forgetful. Not that Joseph wanted to be forgetful or not that he wanted his son to be forgetful, but the Bible tells us exactly what this signified. It signified for Joseph, and I quote, for God has made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. He forgot the pain of rejection, the pain of suffering all of those years. The second born was Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. Signifying for Joseph, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph forgot, but God did not. Even when we forget, God remembers So God gave Joseph a dream when Joseph was 17 years old. Joseph is now almost 37. Joseph was 30 when he stood before Pharaoh. And we know that the seven years of plenty began. And the Bible says that Joseph had his two sons within those seven years of plenty. So at 37, the seven years of famine begin. Now Joseph is around 37 years old, and he has forgotten all his toil and all his father's house. He has come to a place of fullness in the land of Egypt. Joseph was not obsessing over his past. Joseph was living day by day and remaining faithful to God in all that God placed before him. The Bible doesn't tell us how Joseph recovered from what happened to him with his family. But the Bible absolutely shows us that Joseph recovered, that Joseph didn't live obsessing over his past, that Joseph came to a place of trust in God. And he said, God has blessed me and made me forget my toil in my father's house. And not only that, but God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph lived day by day. He remained faithful. And he lived faithfully each day and did those things. And encountered those situations and those circumstances that God placed before him and put him in. 
Joseph wasn't trying to make his dream come true. Joseph was not promoting himself. Joseph was simply remaining faithful and trusting God. And in that place of faithfulness, Joseph thought he had come to a place that would never lead him back to his past. Can you see that? I forgot my toil. I forgot my father's house. God has now made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. In Joseph's mind, he has moved on. In Joseph's mind, he, he's not going to return to his past. His past is past. And we see this in Joseph. That he had come to a place that he would never, that would never lead him back to his past. Or at least he thought. Joseph had truly forgotten his toil in his father's house. Joseph had truly come to a place of fruitfulness. But what Joseph had forgotten, God remembered. Because God gave Joseph those dreams. God had a reason for giving Joseph those dreams. And even if Joseph now at 37 had forgotten those dreams and thought he would never return to that place of his life again, not physically, but even emotionally, he didn't live there anymore. He was now second in command in Egypt. He was fruitful. He was healed. He's okay. He forgot, but God did not. And so even when we forget, and we need to take encouragement from this, even when we forget, God remembers. The good news is that God remembers all things in their proper place. Here's the gospel. God remembers the work of Christ on the cross, so therefore he remembers not our sin. That's good news. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 through 23. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering of sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Listen, for he who promised is faithful. Joseph forgot, but God did not. Joseph never doubted that God had blessed him and God had healed him and God had removed him from that past and God had given him a new future. But what Joseph didn't realize is that God had a plan and a purpose through all of it. And it was getting ready to become very obvious to Joseph. This is going to be what we're going to look at next week when we get to chapter 42. Joseph is getting ready to have a revelation that is going to bring his past right back into his face. And Joseph is going to have an epiphany and he's going to realize not only that God had protected him and favored him and, and preserved him and given him a new life in Egypt, but that God had had a plan and a purpose all along in every single thing down to the minutest of details Every single thing that happened from a, think about it. He's in prison and a butler and a baker come. And they have a dream on the same night. And he just happens to be there to interpret the dream. And they just happen to be officers in the court of Pharaoh. And it just so happens that that moment of interpreting a dream turns into his ticket to not just freedom, but to stand before Pharaoh and to be given power and authority over all the land. That wasn't an accident. Joseph may have thought it was a coincidence at the time, but he's fixing to have a revelation that reveals to him 
that God was in the details. I mean, you've heard this, the devil's in the details. No, listen, God's in the details. The devil is not in the details. God is in the details. And I challenge you to go back and read the scripture and see the details that God puts in place and works out so that his eternal plan and his eternal purpose will be accomplished. We have every reason to hope. We have every reason to trust. This is our God. God remembers what we forget and he chooses to forget what we too often remember. We get hung up and we remember our sin. We remember all of these things and we beat ourselves up because of our past and we can't get past the past. I'm telling you what, get past your past. Get over it and fix your eyes on Jesus. Let him bring healing. Let him bring restoration. Even when you can't see how these things are going to work for your good, even when you can't understand how there could be any good that could come out of the horrible things that may have happened in your life, listen, you're not the only one that's experienced that. The Bible is full of characters like this. And why is the Bible full of characters like this? The Bible is full of characters like this to give us hope because we're human like they were human. We're prone to sin like they were prone to sin. We fall prey to sin just like they fall prey to sin. We have things happen to us and it seems like it's just a horrible coincidence. It's just a horrible uh, accident that's happened to me but listen if you're a child of God you should never look at anything as a horrible or a wonderful coincidence you should look at things as as the hand of God in the details working all things out for your good and for his glory because that's exactly what God is doing that's what he does for his children Joseph forgets his past he forgets all that but God doesn't God remembers and God is working and bringing about his eternal plan, his eternal purpose for our good and for his glory. (coughs) God makes all things beautiful in his time. You know, the scripture Ecclesiastes 311, he has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Now think about this. Next week, we're going to see Joseph encounter his brothers. We're going to see Joseph have this epiphany and realize, oh, God had a plan in all of this. I'm going to be able to save my family. And Joseph, in that moment, he... He connected the dots and he says, man. So when Joseph meets his brothers, Joseph is 39 years old. When all this goes down and and he reveals himself to his brothers, he's 39 years old. We We got five years of famine left. And so think about this. Age 39, Joseph has been in Egypt since 17. So for 22 years, Joseph's been in Egypt. Now in 22, it took him 22 years. Now 22 years later, he has his epiphany. He says, now I know what God was doing. God was going to save many people alive. God was going to save my family. I've been restored to my family. And that's all true. But what Joseph didn't know was what God was going to do even beyond that. So you can find out and God may reveal to you in a moment, in your moment, why he did and why he allowed and how he worked all these things. But you and I are never going to know ultimately because that doesn't end there. Joseph's story didn't end with his family reunion and saving his family. That, That wasn't the end of the story. That was just part of the story. Joseph still didn't realize what salvation God was going to ultimately bring because God allowed him to be sold as a slave in Egypt. This is the promise of God. He makes all things beautiful in his time. He puts eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work of God, the work that God does from beginning to end. So don't worry about knowing all that God is doing. Just trust in the God 
who you know is doing all the work. Do you get that? Trust him. Don't worry about figuring it all out. Trust him as he is working because you are never going to know his end from beginning to his work from beginning to end. So this is to bring peace and comfort to us. God is making all things beautiful and all things will be made beautiful because Christ who will make all things new and beautiful revelation 21 five, because Christ has come and he will come again and we shall see him face to face and we shall see all things. Listen in the light of his beauty and of his glory. One day we will see all things in the light of God's beauty and the light of God's glory. Evil may assail us, life may come against us, or blessing may overflow in our life, but in all things we are to look to him, trust in him, remain faithful to him, for he has not only put eternity in our hearts, but he holds eternity in his hand he is the eternal one amen let's all stand let's pray father keep us faithful give us the grace to fix our eyes on you not on the world around us not on our circumstances and situations give us the grace to live in this world and to be a witness to your glory as we walk by faith and not by sight. Father, we ask that you would use us to your glory and give us the grace to see and to know your goodness, your love, your peace, your joy, and your glory every day. Here's my charge to you that you would look to Christ, that you would give him your dreams, your fears, and your greatest joys and let him hold them in his sovereign hand, trusting that he will provide all for you, for your good and for his glory. Trust in his perfect love for you and remain faithful to him who is always faithful. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. And we're going to go with uh, chapter 42 next week and continue the story. Read it. Soak it in and take heart and take courage in a sovereign God who loves you. Amen. God bless you.